To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. It is 23 minutes away from 8 to Politics Wednesday. Megan Woods and Mark Mitchell with us after 8. Meantime, back to the prefu. Our debt is now expected to top $185 billion by 2025, up from an anticipated $83 billion three years ago. Uh, we'll be in deficit a year longer than expected. That much promised surplus isn't back until 2027. Uh, these are, of course, all projections from Treasury, so take them as you will. Grant Robertson, the um, what are you, the Finance Minister? You are still the Finance Minister. I think minister. we were talking about Prefu, it's Finance okay, Minister, okay, isn't it? Okay, yeah. so you're the Finance Minister. But we can swap hats in the okay, middle. Good, good, right. good, good, good to see you. So, so the, the 1.3 hand-on-heart growth this is, do you believe it? I do, yeah. I think, you know, I mean, Treasury's predictions around growth forecasts are within the range of the other commentators. Everybody knows nowadays, particularly post-COVID, that's a bit more of an art than a science. But the trend, 1.3, then 2, then out to the, you know, 3, 3.3 in the latter years of the forecast, that direction of travel, I definitely believe. How worried about inflation are you? I think inflation's coming down. Um, and but I it's think sticky. It's it's stuck around. But, you know, 7.6, um, oh, 7.2, sorry, down to 6 the trend again is there. I'm very optimistic we'll be inside the Reserve Bank target band next year. How does that happen? Because you've got wages going up, you haven't got enough growth to support it, and wages are inflationary if you're not supported reflect- by growth. Yeah, it's reflective of that overall slowdown in the economy. And this is the thing that, you know, these books for me represent a better result than we might have expected, but they still also represent the economy slowing down. And the whole purpose of what the Reserve Bank does is to try to get that equilibrium so that we do see inflation back down there. So I think it's a result of that. When you look at the four-year forecast period, wages do stay pretty pretty solid for people, about 4.8% increase. But inflation is forecast to come down because the economy overall, the heat, yeah. is starting to come yeah, out. Yeah, but it. You, you, it doesn't explain itself, though. You can't have 4.8% worth of wage increases in a growth of 1.3, even if you accept 1.3. But that's over four years. Yeah, but, but, but even with inflation stuck where it is. So if you look at the food numbers this week, explain the food numbers to me. Why is food still high in this country, 6.6%, when round the world it is dropping? It is lower in the world now than it was at the start of the year, yet here it isn't. Um, a big part of that is still the flow on from the weather events. And if you actually talk to the supermarkets and the supermarket buyers, they'll tell, tell you that that's been a big part of it. So you're telling me that's more than lettuces and flooded paddocks. It's roads and it's transport and everything, entire, that, and everything that goes into it. It's the supply chain that's part of that. Um, and for New Zealand, obviously, there's still a certain amount of imported food. Some of that's exchange rate related. So there are other factors in there. Food prices are you know, really sticky for people. I get that. You know, When you go to the supermarket, you can absolutely see it. But I do think when you look at the overall set of numbers, we could argue about a point here and yeah. a point there. That direction of travel, I do believe. The most frightening thing for me is the ten, almost $10 billion to service the interest. Mm. $10 billion to go nowhere apart from paying an interest bill. <laughs> and look, that's the reality of, of, of the of level debt. of... of it's the, a reality of debt. Well, it's, it's a combination of debt and the level of interest rates that we've got. You know, it's 2% of GDP, and um, your listeners won't be able to see the graph that I'm looking at, but, you know, we've historically had much higher levels of debt, as a, uh, of finance costs as a percentage of GDP. This is a bit higher because the markets that we're in uh, reflect the global state of interest rates. So it is a lot of money, Mike, but it's the price we pay for being able to have got ourselves through COVID. And I can remember doing interviews with you, and you raised this with me, that 
when we're borrowing this money, you can't just click your fingers and pay it back. Yeah. It gets paid back over a period of time, and interest rates are now higher than they were when we were in that period. So we took that decision. This is the consequence of that decision. Yeah. But historically, it's actually in the ballpark. 2% of GDP is within Could the historical you argue, average. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's one of the figures you would use. The figure I would use is look at what you pay for police. Well, look at what you pay for the yep. Defence Force, and, and we're paying more on interest than any of that. It's about, I think the Treasury said in their document, about the fourth highest category yeah. of expenditure. But, Mike, that's about the money we need to spread a whole lot of the expenses we've got over time. So you could argue that that's the cost of building the roads or building the hospitals or building the schools, that we take that money on, but it's spread over a really long time. Yeah, but then you time. get into a quality of expenditure debate, yeah, don't you? you I mean, do. yes, you borrowed a lot of money, and I could argue there are billions that have gone down the toilet for no great return, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and and so, Okay, I mean, that's, that's an argument that you and I have had many times. But in, in terms of this, in terms of the actual idea that the cost of borrowing and then you slot it in alongside police or defence or whatever. I don't think that's quite fair because actually it is about what you're trying to do as a country over a long period of time. And and again, I know these numbers, people look at them and go, nearly $10 billion, that's huge. You do have to take a step back as to the overall size of the economy and where we're heading and the fact that there is some legitimate agencies like Standard & Poor's who come in and go, on balance, these yep. guys can handle this. Our economy's still good, Mike. You know, it was ASB who said just before yesterday, the pre the fiscals are still world class. Now, they're under challenge, no doubt about that, but they're still solid. So, I mean, the problem with Treasury, I don't want to get into a debate about it. Maybe they're right, maybe they're not. But there are still banks out there that say in the latter part of this year into next year, we're going to go in recession. Mm. I happen to believe them. I'm looking at the economy. I don't see what Treasury see. I don't see it. Yeah. I will give you at best Q2 might be above zero. And when that figure comes out, we'll know. But so, right here, right now, we got inflation too high. I paid three thirty-five a litre for petrol yesterday. People aren't buying. They're not spending. I just gave numbers out before. They're not borrowing either because they can't afford to. Mm. Where's the growth in that? So re- it's obviously a relative thing compared to the last quarter. So I think actually Treasury is saying 0.6% for June quarter. I think the economist consensus is more like 0.4%. So I do think we will see that growth couple of things in there. One is inward migration. So, you know, yeah. the fact is that we have had that spike. We have had a tourism, um, you know, spike, perhaps not as good as some people wanted, but it has come back. And then obviously the rebuild stuff out of out of um, the cyclones also starts to add to it. You'll see a bit more of that in the second half of the year. So I, I think Treasury's forecasts are, are, are definitely credible. Obviously, others have got them, and we'll, we'll see where we go. Okay. But we are, I'm pretty sure we'll get growth in Q2. Okay. Immigration, are you happy with what's going on, one, numbers-wise, and two, quality-wise? Yeah, two really, really important distinctions in those questions. Numbers-wise, it's pent-up demand. That's what I feel. Um, I've spent a lot of time in business audiences over the last two or three years, and the first question every single time has been, can we get more people in? We're now seeing that. Um, labour market's still tight, but those numbers will come off. Treasury say about 40,000 is the where they think it'll, it'll fall to over the next couple of years. So I think I'm okay with it. Obviously, if it was 96,000 for yeah. a very long period, that would stretch our resources significantly. On the quality side, you know, we certainly tried with the accredited employer work visa to make things easier and more efficient. Unfortunately, some people exploit that, and we have to make sure we get those people out of the situation. Yes, they exploited it, and that's inexcusable, but were they allowed to exploit it because the instruction was from top down to just get people in here and don't worry about the details? That clearly wasn't our instruction. You know, our instruction was to make sure that we created an efficient process, but that there were still checks. Um, 
some people have managed to exploit that system and we've got to crack down on that and make sure it doesn't happen again. But again, I come back to those business audiences. People were just crying yeah, sure. out for yeah, that sure. labour. And I think, you know, we've we've created a process that's much easier for employers, but clearly there's some tweaks we've got to make to it. Okay, because what, what I, all I'm hearing from the immigration industry is the place is a mess. Yes, the numbers are there. You can't argue with it, but the place is a mess. There are queues that are closed. There are costs to applying to become accredited that are too high. You never hear back. Do you reject all of that or not? Oh, look, I don't think that's fair about the scheme itself. Um, getting registered... There's a hurdle, and there should be, but then once you're in that process, the job check process is relatively good, and then the visa processing process is getting better. But yeah, look, crikey, Mike, I've been an electric MP for 15 years. Every single one of those years, people have come to me to complain mm-hmm. about the immigration system. It's 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 complex. We do need to do checks. Um, no, my, my take with the businesses I'm talking to is that they're relatively satisfied, but we've got to crack down on the exploitation. As regards the the economy in general, I note uh, with a great deal of interest, Philip Lowe, as he left the other day, sort of he didn't apologise, but he said he he did too much. Would you concede you did too much, and would Adrian Orr concede he did too much? And that's fundamentally this is why we are where we are. Oh, I can't answer for Adrian. Obviously, you'd have to put that to him in terms of the fiscal response. I don't regret the decisions we made. We wanted to give cash flow and confidence to businesses and households. Um, you know, we invested significantly. Uh, you know, if, if if I had my time again, would I change it? I don't know. I was presented with some facts in March 2020 that I was worried about. Unemployment at 10%, the bond markets maybe not, you know, functioning. We all had to face that down. Um, I don't regret the spending we did because I think it saved lives and I think it saved businesses. Um, others will be able to judge in the future whether it was too much. Just to wrap this up, explain the surplus of which we haven't talked about, mm. the, the surplus that is now 2027. Mm. You're a guy who each year comes up with a series of excuses as to why we need to spend just a little bit more money and that surplus will be just a little bit more delayed. If you win this election, what's to stop you doing that again and again? Yeah, look, I mean, we've committed to this. It's the fiscal rules that I've set. And Mike, you know, there's a few insults being thrown around at me today by by other politicians. I've tried really hard to get a balanced approach here and deal with the circumstances in front of me, cut the cloth, as it were. And so we've had more money available to us and we've still been able to meet some goals. We had a surplus in 2019. COVID came along and took that away. This time, we've already shown the cut of our jib, taken $4 billion worth out already, and that process will need to continue to in order to meet those goals. So you deal with the circumstances that are in front of you. The circumstances in front of us now is we need to come back to a more sustainable fiscal position, and that's what these books show will do. Good to see you. Thanks, Mike. Grant Robertson, 13 away from 8. For more from the Mike Hosking Breakfast, listen live to News Talk ZB from 6am weekdays or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.